0: You are currently listening to a Suffolk Free Radio podcast. The views and opinions expressed on The Cow Goes Moo are the views and opinions of the show personalities only and do not reflect those of Suffolk University, Suffolk Free Radio, or those of the Student Leadership and Involvement Office. Adult language may be used, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to The Cow Goes Moo. I'm your host, Milan Marzilli, and I'm here to tell you about where to go, who to see, and how to do it. Did everyone have a good week? Mine felt like an infinite scooter to the ankle, so I'm glad it's over. Before I get started on what will be one of my more bizarre episodes, I want to thank Colin and Mac from the Student Free Radio. I got so used to being told to shut up and was honestly about to, so I really appreciate you guys pushing me to get my voice out there, both on the air and in writing. I hope you don't regret it. Thank you for what you do here. Last week, I talked about two amazing shows and venues, Wunderbart, The Sinclair, and Colts at Brighton Music Hall. Boston did me well in my first time going out both alone and with friends. So obviously, I had high hopes for the Growlers frontman Brooks Nielsen. He'd be playing at the Sinclair too. Maybe it's retrograde, or maybe I straight up jinxed myself, but boy was I wrong, This past summer, I purchased one ticket to see Brooks Nielsen on his first solo tour ever. He'd done this before around the West Coast, but he finally decided to take America by storm, and I'd do anything to see that man. I don't care how corny it sounds. With the release of Hung It Heart in 2013, I became an instant fan of the Growlers. The song Salt on a Slug played in a record store in my hometown, and I was hooked instantly. It made me feel like sinking into the floor. Fast forward to my freshman year at the University of Vermont. I finally met some people who even knew the Growlers existed. I spent a lot of cold nights staring at the ceiling with my friends, playing their music on a small speaker, wishing we were all laying out in the California sun. That's what the Growlers' music feels like. But I've never even been to California, and I seem to always forget that people can say really cool things, but it doesn't always mean that they're really cool. I arrived at the Sinclair alone at about 7.30ish. For a Saturday night, I was surprised by the lack of, well, anybody in the street. I walked inside and stepped right up to the stage. By the time 8 p.m. rolled around, the floor was still pretty empty. I tried Shazamming a song that was playing over the speaker, and a man standing behind me said, It's the Ramones. That's not very helpful, I said. He walked away. The song was I Want You Around, by the way. There would be no opener tonight, just Brooks and an island of misfit toys. Fifteen minutes went by. Nothing. 8.20 and he appears on stage with a jewel, a plastic cup of beer, and a raincoat similar to something you'd see in a Wes Anderson film. The filler bandmates all wore some pretty funky Anderson-esque outfits, too. The band started playing and I almost fainted. Nielsen has the voice of a chain-smoking angel. I'd roll around in glass just to hear this man read a bedtime story. Is that too much? Whatever, it's true, and I said the disclaimer at the beginning. <laughs> but he's definitely not an artist that connects with the crowd. Like, he barely even looked at us standing there. He was just in his own world, I guess, and that's totally fine. The crowd managed to carry the energy. To my surprise, he actually didn't play many of his songs from his previous setlist. And those were definitely the songs that everybody knew. He sang a lot of random, personally written songs that he'd done on his solo project. Maybe I came unprepared, but after looking around and not seeing anybody else sing along, I realized that these weren't even the kinds of songs that pretentious douchebags can act like they knew. Anyways, Nielsen finally played two songs that united the crowd, Black Memories and One Million Lovers. These are excellent songs, and they did feel like magic to hear live. I totally cried, Like a stupid little baby. At one point, he asked the crowd what they wanted to hear next, to which many of us replied, Empty bones, empty bones. But Brooks said, no. A few more suggestions were thrown around, to which he replied, no. And then he said, I'm just going to play this song you guys don't know. And he did. And then the band exited the stage. And then it was time for encore. But can we please get rid of this tradition? It's so awkward and it is so weird. Like you as the band should know that we love you so much we never want this night to end can't you just stay do you want me to beg for it i'm so sick of encores i'm sorry anyways nielsen reappeared and he looked really miserable actually maybe he was just tired i don't know he sang the same song that none of us knew like i mean he literally re-sang the song that none of us knew and then he left I hung back for a little while because I was honestly one of the fans that was trying to see if I could get a set list. I am a big set list girl, but the Sinclair staff said no. And then we were all kicked out of the main room. I don't know. It was just a weird vibe. I don't even want to say that it was bad, but... I don't know. I love the Growlers. This was just really different than what I was expecting. Do I regret seeing Brooks Nielsen live? Yes and no, honestly. Honestly. It was kind of like Batman taking off his mask and revealing himself to be an antisocial nepotism baby. I feel really bad saying that out loud because the growlers actually appear multiple times on the soundtrack that saved my life, but it's super weird knowing that the person that I once considered to be a hero is like, just kind of boring and like, almost 40 years old with a jewel. You know what's not boring? A psych ward group therapy that is monitored via Zoom. Oh yeah. Now we're at the interesting part. Back in 2021, during yet another wave of what seemed like the never-ending pandemic, I realized that I really fucked up. I made a mess of my life. Um, My relationships, my overall health, mentally, physically. I still hadn't finished school. I had absolutely no work-life balance. I was truly just taking up space, and I was honestly doing a bang-up job at even that Side note, if you get easily triggered, don't worry. I am sparing the gory details. That's not what the show is about. My second chance came to me when I woke up in the emergency room of the hospital that I was born in. I, thankfully, I'm able to laugh at the irony of that now. I had two choices. I could either enter one week of an inpatient program provided by the state, or I could commit to one month of an asynchronous, I'm an English major that doesn't know how to pronounce words, huh? Anyways, that just means it's on the computer, like your online classes. The truth is, even if it was a nice facility provided by the state, which I'm told it never is, I knew that one week wouldn't be enough. I was so far past the point of sucking it up and fixing this on my own. I needed help, and I had never felt like I could ask for it before. So this was it. Put me in the Zoom psych ward, I said. For the entire month of August of that same year, I woke up at 7 a.m. for online check-in and wasn't able to check out until 5 p.m. I thought online class was as bad as it would get, but that first week felt like a nightmare. They put me in a substance abuse group. I was surrounded by people who were 30-plus, and honestly, they had what I thought to be much more valid reasons to be there. I just, I couldn't say a word. I didn't relate to anybody, I didn't ask any questions, and I could have let that whole month fly by without doing much of anything, but that was just not an option for me. I decided to speak up one day and ask if I could be transferred so that I could be treated properly, and like a true miracle, a spot had opened up in the young adult unit. I couldn't believe it. There I was on a conference call with seven other people who looked just like me. They were average. We were plain. I even knew one of the patients from childhood. All I'm going to say about that is, we really need to be mindful of the shit that we say, do, and think of other people. I cannot stress this enough, you have no idea what anyone is going through. The next three weeks changed my life. I was given a therapist that I'd be required to see weekly, and we decided to try to develop some coping mechanisms and lifestyle changes before restarting my medication. I ended up spending February and March living on my own in... You'll never guess, Boston. I was finally able to start eating again when I was hungry. I woke up with the sun. Um, I loved walking around outside again, even on really shitty cold days, because you know how New England winters are. I was able to reconnect with a lot of old friends, even people that were acquaintances or that I was never really close to. So there I was, sitting in the attic of an old couple's home that I found on Airbnb when I decided that it was time to really give this life a go. I applied to two schools, Belmont and Tennessee, and Suffolk right here in Boston. At Belmont, I'd continue down the path of early childhood education, whereas at Suffolk, I'd be taking the risk of becoming an English major. <laughs> I call it a risk because I was already so far behind pretty much everybody that I knew, and in spite of how supportive some people were, I could pretty much tell that everybody was losing faith in me. Fuck what people think, right? I picked Suffolk after having no tour or really any idea about this place. It was the biggest leap I'd ever taken. Sometimes when you know, you know. I spent this summer working two jobs to prepare for this big move to the city. I was quite literally selling seashells by the seashore, and my other job was pumping out smoothies at a little vegan cafe called Bull. The seashell gig was definitely more for comedic relief, big pro tip, life is a lot easier to get by when you're doing stuff for the bit, if you will, but Bull really changed my life. They're the reason I was able to start being my old self again. The one that had dreams, the girl that wasn't so afraid. I finally felt comfortable sharing my own feelings. I was excited to show everybody the music I was listening to because, yes, we were allowed to be on AUX. And I even started dressing like I actually wanted to, which probably sounds super stupid, especially if you see me walk around this campus. I look so boring, but I used to spend hours, like, ripping myself apart. So trust me, my Adam Sandler fits. I love them dearly. (laughs) The biggest positive impact that this group had on me was convincing me to put myself back out there and to be open to all kinds of new relationships. I'm not just talking about love, but friendship too. I had spent so long trying to shut people out, out of fear of experiencing like any more loss, seeing how I reacted when things went wrong. I'm glad that everyone there cracked me open because now I finally have something to miss. And I'm so happy to be able to say that about a group of people who used to be strangers. I always thought missing things had to feel bad, but it really is nice having something to miss. Second chances come in a lot of forms, and although some things will always go unforgiven, the best thing that we can do for ourselves is change our behavior and let our actions speak for themselves. It's important to forgive ourselves when we start to heal, too. We need to give ourselves the same energy that we do when forgiving others, you know, even when you forgive the people that don't really deserve it. I could have graduated by now and been living a way more normal adult life, but I never would have made it to this exact moment right now had my life not played out the way that it did. Rock bottom will humble the fuck out of you. Honestly, sometimes it's easier to rebuild when you have nothing left to work with. Sometimes life just forces you to start over, If we're lucky enough to be given another chance, we have to brush off our knees and take it. I hope you give yourself second and third and millionth chances over and over again. I hope that maybe this is the sign that you're looking for, or you just realize it because I really don't want a hospital bed to be the thing that snaps you out of it. For those of you who are struggling with anything, trust me, it is not a cliche when people say it. Proper forms of rehabilitation, therapy, medication any positive change can get you where you want to go it's going to be difficult and it will feel horrible most of the time but pretty soon even the small things like waking up in the morning will feel amazing believe me i still have really bad days but if there's anything i've learned it's that all feelings pass whether it's in a moment or a week later whenever they do find ways to cope until they do and if good times end just know that the soul-crushing ones do too one of the best resources that I push time and time again is simply texting HOME to 741-741. H-O-M-E to seven four one seven four one. Pause this and save it in your phone. This is a 24-7 hotline via text, but the crisis hotline also provides instant messaging and a phone number that can be found on their website. So whatever you would prefer, I promise they have it. This is perfect for you if you live with your parents, with your roommates, with a partner, or even if you're out in public and you seriously need someone to talk to. The best part is, it doesn't matter what crisis you're experiencing, they'll get you in touch with a trained counselor. If you made it this far, if you're still listening, thank you. Now you know something that I know. Next week, my review is going to be really different. That's all I'm saying. The cow goes moo and don't you forget it.